everyone. Welcome to this weekend's worship at Carbon Valley Lutheran Church. My name is Tim Spiegelberg. It's my privilege to be the pastor right here in Firestone, Colorado, and I'm overjoyed that you're joining us this weekend. Uh, this weekend, our theme is going to be High Point, and we're actually going to look at the story, the, the account of Jesus' transfiguration. So this is Transfiguration uh, Sunday uh, this weekend, and so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to talk about some of the highs and lows of our life, life and, uh, and how God ultimately gets us through that. Uh, so let's see, just a few announcements as we get started. A couple things that are happening in and around at Carbon Valley. Uh, the first is, is our ladies' super silent auction is up and running right now. So last I heard, almost every package already had at least one bid on them. Um, but take a look at that. You're going to find a link for that auction uh, through our Carbon Connection. And uh, you should be able to, to look at all those beautiful things and, and, uh, and, and maybe make some bids on them. Uh, remember that all of the bids in this super silent auction go directly to our ladies group uh, and allows them to do some of their wonderful ministry that they've been doing uh, in the past. So uh, we'd love to have you support that. Second thing is uh, our Love Local Neighbors Helping Neighbor campaign has kicked off at least uh, specifically here at CBL. So you're going to find all the details for that in your bulletin. You'll find that, of course, at the same link as this video. Uh, but in short, it's, it's us trying to give back to the people within our community, not just individuals, but small business owners that have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19 and the shutdowns that came with it. So check that out. Uh, if you're a CVL member, we will be having those uh, dinner cards, those gift cards um, will be available at in-person worship Saturdays at 4 p.m. Or just shoot me a text or an email and I can do touchless pickup, put them on my porch, uh, you, can, you can pass through Firestone and grab one uh, and get them to people that, that are in need or, or have had a tough, tough year. So. so with that, those are all of our opening announcements. Let's get into the worship of our Lord then this weekend. As always, everything you're going to need, you're going to find in your bulletin or on the screen in front of you. So uh, that bulletin can be found same spot that you're at right now. So, so let's begin the worship of our Lord on this Transfiguration weekend uh, with our invocation and confession. We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we join our voices in praise to God, let us do so as believers throughout Scripture have done. Let us approach God with a clean conscience. We know that throughout this week we have not always acted as God would want us to, and so in order to walk to the Lord with clean hands and with a pure heart, let us join in the words of Psalm 51. You're welcome to speak these words along with me, with whomever you're with at home. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. For I confess to you my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now take a few moments of silence for personal repentance. Here's the good news. You are fully and completely forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Guilt and shame are no more because of Christ. Rest in God's grace. Go in peace. You are a child of God. Let us pray. 
Lord, as we witness your transfiguration, let us see your divinity. You are true God. Allow us also to see that you walk with us through the struggles of this life and will be at our side as we enter eternity. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we continue with our children's lessons. So if you've got little ones at home, uh, toddlers running around, this is a great time to gather them together because I've got a gospel message that's intended just for them. Hi kids, Pastor Tim here. I'm happy that you've joined me this weekend. What's the highest place that you've ever been? Let you think about it a little bit. What's the highest place you've ever been? Maybe it's upstairs at your house. Maybe it's on monkey bars at the playground. Maybe you've climbed some mountains because we've got those beautiful mountains outside of our, our houses, right? Have any of you ever been on a plane? If you've done that, you've been pretty high, right? There's a lot of places where we can kind of go high, right? But are you scared of heights? When you were up high in any of those spots, did it scare you? Sometimes I think it can, right? Sometimes when we're really, really high up, it can frighten us. It can make us scared. Well, there was one time for me, this is the highest place that I've ever been, uh, I was in an airplane, and maybe you've flown before too, but this airplane, I had a parachute on my back. So can you guess what I did? Yeah, and it was scary. I jumped out of an airplane to go skydiving. In fact, you probably can see a picture of that in front of you. This is me jumping out of a plane very, very high up and parachuting down. And it was both exciting and a little bit scary. But you drop, and guess what happened when I got to the ground? You wanna know what my stomach did? It was sick. By the time I got to the bottom, I was so sick. And so I went skydiving and I got the excitement of being very high up in the air. But when I got to the ground, I was pretty sick. I think sometimes maybe that's how life feels too, doesn't it? There are times when you're really, really happy and really, really um, excited. And maybe your mom and dad are too. But there's other times that we maybe just feel sick. Maybe when there's anger, uh, maybe when people get sick, when you get sick, right? When, when life gets kind of tough. And so we have this in our life. We have very highs and very lows. Well, in our text today, Jesus talks about going to a high point, to a high mountain with his disciples. And that was interesting just because going up and climbing a mountain is pretty fun. But it was even greater because once they got to the top of that mountain, Jesus showed them exactly who he was. Not just a person or a man, but he was true God as well. Now, why did Jesus do that for those disciples and for us? Well, he does that so that we know that he's with us when we go through the lows. Jesus shows us the high point to remind us that he's gonna be with us at the times when we're sick to our stomach, when life is really, really hard, maybe when we're sad or when we're crying or when we're angry. Jesus' transfiguration assures us, assures you that he's going to be with you. Jesus, it says that he, he's shown like lightning. 
Can you, and you know how bright lightning is, right? As white as it, the whitest thing you've ever seen. But Jesus was showing us that he was God. Now here's the wonderful thing. Jesus, who was God, also died on the cross for us and has washed our sins away. And that means he's gonna be with us, both at the high points and at the low points and all the way to heaven. Let's say a short prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for being with us, both when times are good and when times are hard. Now help us share the good news that you are our Lord and you will take us to heaven with those who don't know, yet know. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming, kids. Now we turn our attention to God's word for this Transfiguration weekend. Our first selection is from the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to read verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, in this, really, Paul is reminding us of the gap that was bridged in Christ from Old Testament to New Testament. Ultimately, Jesus is that which connects us to our God above. That chasm that sin had created um, is bridged in Christ. So we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes through the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. This is the word of our Lord. Our gospel reading and the basis for our sermon this weekend is taken from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, and this is the account of Jesus' transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks for joining us this weekend as we look into uh, the account of the transfiguration of Jesus. 
For those of you that are from Colorado, well, I'll just ask any of you, uh, those that are watching, do you know the highest point, the highest peak in Colorado? Let you think about it a little bit, or you can whisper it to your spouse or to your kids. Yeah, I, my guess is many of you, maybe uh, he, at least if you live here in Colorado, know what our highest peak is, right? It's Mount Albert. So Mount Albert is about 14,440 feet, somewhere in there. Um, I've climbed it. Maybe many of you have climbed it. And climb is maybe a, not the quite, the quite the right word when you talk about Mount Albert. Um, it's kind of a really long, tiresome hike. So, but it's beautiful, right? In fact, any mountains that you've scaled, any mountains that you've gone up, there's a reason why we do that as human beings, because when you get to the top, it's just magnificent, right? Some people almost describe some of these high points as, as a spiritual uh, um, realization, right? A, a spiritual journey to the top there. And, and on some level, you can feel it, right? When you get to the top of a really high mountain after a long hike, it's exhilarating. High points. We know about those here in Colorado. But if you're not from Colorado, maybe that's not such a significant thing. But did you know that there are people that try to get to the high point in every single state. And when we think about it, that's the reality, isn't there? There are high points in every single state, and they may, may not be as high as Mount Albert in Colorado. Some of them are a little bit higher, some are a little bit lower. So if you're from Colorado, you probably know Mount Albert. But if you're from Kansas, do you know Mount Sunflower? Yep, legendary Mount Sunflower. Have any of you scaled Mount Sunflower? And maybe I shouldn't use the word scaled Mount Sunflower. So Mount Sunflower in Kansas, it's the highest point in all of Kansas, is a whopping 4,039 feet high, right? So yeah, maybe not scaled, maybe walked, or actually I think this one, you can drive right to it, right? Mount Sunflower, highest point in Kansas. Few others. Uh, Chiaha Mountain in Alabama is only 2,413 feet. Uh, Black Elk Peak in South Dakota, that's 7,244 feet high. Right? And so each of these states has a high point that you can go to and that people actively go to. Highest point in all of the United States. Um, is unsurprisingly in Alaska. So Denali also used to be known as Mount McKinley. We actually used to have a cabin there that, that was kind of in the shadow of Mount McKinley. Uh, Mount McKinley was, or Denali, is 20,310 feet high. So an incredibly high mountain. But did you know, do you know what the lowest high point in all the United States is? Can you guess which state? I'll give you a minute to just think about it. If you're at home with family or friends, maybe throw out some guesses because you'll probably get pretty close. Yeah, lowest high point in all of the United States, it's found in Florida because basically the entire state, I think, is, is below sea level. So in Florida, uh, let's see, which is the lowest point, lowest high point in all of the United States is called Britain Hill. So it is a whopping 345 feet above sea level. Yeah. So from Britain Hill to Denali, these are all high points within our world. And on some level, um, we as human beings seek those out. If you live in Colorado, if you've lived here for any amount of time, um, you love going to high points within. In fact, that's, a, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people move to Colorado is to try to get to those high points. Well, today we are going to get to a 
high point, a high place is what the Bible calls it. And we're going to see something that happens there. And, and I would say that what is far more important than the fact that it was physically a mountain or a high point was the incredible high point that Jesus was revealing to his disciples and to you and I. Uh, and so today, that's what we want to walk through. We want to look at Jesus' transfiguration um, and ask ourselves, what does this mean for, um, not just for our daily living, but ultimately for eternity? And so uh, what we're going to look at is three different areas. So we're going to talk about how um, Jesus is worthy of worship. We're going to talk about how Jesus bridges the chasm between us and God, so connects us to God. And the last one is, is that, um, that Christ ultimately uh, walks with us all the way through to eternity. So those three things. So Christ is worthy of worship. He connects us to God and to one another. And ultimately, he's going to walk with us through the low points all the way to eternity. So that's kind of where we're headed in our text here today. Uh, you're welcome to follow along with me if you'd like as we kind of go through our text. But a little bit of the, the um, context of what's happening here. Jesus and his disciples are in the area of Caesarea Philippi. And, and so they had been doing ministry. And at this point, Jesus um, takes what we figure are, are three of his closest disciples. Now, we're not exactly sure why Peter, James, and John were considered some of his closest disciples. All we know is, is that during some of these special moments, some of these more rigorous uh, um, um, high points within Jesus' ministry, he chose to bring along Peter, James, and John. And so that's true of our text here today. He brings those three disciples along with him um, to basically reveal his divinity to them. So let's jump into our text. I'm going to start by reading verses 2 through 4. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And so now this is how our, our text starts out. Jesus goes to a high point, um, goes to, to a mountain. Um, and we're not ex actually sure which mountain the, uh, was the Mount of Transfiguration. So uh, there's a kind of a, a couple competing claims to that. Uh, the most likely one is that it was Mount Tabor. Um, well, I should say the traditional location was Mount Tabor. And Mount Tabor is about uh, 1,886 feet high. Um, there's a couple other options, Mount Hermon and a few others. Um, but the point of it is, is that they ascended, right? They went up. They got away from the people and the crowds, and they simply went up. And this is where Jesus was transfigured before them. Now, our text um, uses that word transfigured and then goes even uh, to kind of greater lengths to try to explain exactly what that meant, what these disciples were seeing. And, and you think about how the disciples must have struggled with how to put down on paper exactly what they were seeing when, when Jesus was transfigured before them. But at its core, what Christ did was pull back the veil on his divinity. So Jesus, as a man, they knew well who they had followed, they called rabbi, who they ate with, they drank with, they walked around the, um, all of Israel with. They knew Jesus as a man, but they also had had glimpses of his divinity in his miracles and specifically in his transfiguration here. And so Christ's divinity and the veil is pulled back and there's no place to run. There's no place to hide. There's no place to do mental gymnastics. All that this was, was Jesus revealing um, in the most direct 
way and terms to his disciples that he was, in fact, true God. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, I think it's big. In fact, I'd say it's huge, right? Jesus is nothing less than true God. And why is that important? Because I think there are moments when we forget that. I think there are moments when maybe the world wants to forget that. Uh, if you've sometimes heard the argument from uh, a famous apologist, C.S. Lewis, he talks about that, about Jesus, that uh, when you read Jesus' ministry and Jesus' own words and the disciples' accounts, that only three conclusions can, can be brought forth, that Jesus is a lunatic, a liar, or he truly is Lord. That's what's happening at this Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is nothing less than true God. And if that's true, then he deserves nothing less than our worship and our praise. That's the essence of faith, isn't it? That we place our faith and our trust in our God above, God made man in Jesus Christ, not a lunatic and not a liar, but our Lord. And so worthy of praise, right? Uh, um, if he is who he says he is, then he deserves nothing less than our entire lives, our total dedication to him, placing ourselves at his feet, saying, Lord, your will be done. And maybe that's why we conveniently at times try to downplay that Christ was true God. Because that doesn't come to us naturally, does it? Our first inclination is not to give our full selves to anyone or anything. In fact, more often than not, we try to guard our hearts, guard our lives. We would like others to give themselves fully to us, but rarely are we willing to give ourselves fully to someone else, much less our God above. But if Jesus is who he, said he says he is, then he deserves nothing less than our full selves, our body, our minds, our thoughts, and our actions given to Christ. So that's the implication. That's the reality that comes from the transfiguration. It's astounding. It's out of this world because it is Christ himself, this true God and his divinity being revealed to his disciples and to you and I. Now, why does that matter for us? Well, it has incredible spiritual and salvation implications for us. Because when we talk about our path to eternity, ultimately, our path to heaven does not come off of our backs or the work of our hands. It always has and always will need God to work on our behalf. That's what Jesus was really revealing to his disciples here on this trans Mount of Transfiguration, that God himself looked down at these disciples, at you and I in our world, and said, I will not leave them in their sin and their brokenness. I will leave my world to enter theirs in order to bring them to me. That's what this means. It means that we're connected to God. And we desperately want that connection, don't we? In fact, I would argue that we as human beings yearn for connection in almost every avenue of our life. Right? We, we, we long for some kind of connection, something to kind of bridge that gap. This is uh, Valentine's Day weekend. We would not have a celebration called Valentine's Day uh, if we didn't long for some kind of connection. In this case, 
a, a connection of love, right? And so we, we look for love, we long for love, and sometimes we'll do, do incredibly uh, um, um, ill-advised things for love. We celebrate love. And, and in essence, all that we are doing is giving testimony to our desire for connection. But if it's not Valentine's Day, it's it maybe any other time during the year, we, we constantly are yearning for some kind of affirmation and connection. Maybe it's, it's you within your, your workplace wanting to earn respect. Maybe that's shown through the finances that you're given and the salary that you have. Uh, maybe it's between a husband and a wife, between a, a mother or a father and their children or grandchildren. Um, but in almost every aspect of our lives, we yearn for a connection to bring people closer to us and to become and, and to move closer to others. And maybe that's why this pandemic has been so painful is because it's disrupted our, our attempts to try to connect. In fact, on some level, we've been told don't connect for your safety, right? But we were built for connection. We've been built for relationships. And that comes out in all aspects of our lives, in your relationships with other human beings, your relationship with your work, with the material things of this world and everything around us. We long for that connection. But those are only echoes of a far greater connection that our hearts long for. And it's to connect us to something that is much bigger than ourselves. Put it bluntly, to connect us to something that is much better than ourselves. Because in any of those relationships, if it's with a spouse, if it's with a parent or a child, if it's at work, um, if it's in your hobbies or, or, or in a club, um, at some point, those relationships start to falter and fail. Because in any earthly relationship, there is pain and there is suffering and there is, is sin that is a part of it. And yet that gives us some insight into what we long for. See, we want something that isn't broken and sinful and kind of messed up. We want something perfect. We want something that's lasting. And so when Jesus comes to his disciples and says to them, and shows them, this is who I am. The beauty of that is nothing short of miraculous because the disciples now got to see that this connection between the brokenness of their world would be bridged with the divinity of God above. And it was done so by Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is worthy of worship and we can worship him because he crosses the chasm that we can't on our own. He lived his life perfectly. He laid down that life sacrificially for you and I, and he bridges the gap that sin created between God and human, humankind. Christ brings us to the divine and ultimately to, to eternity. Christ is, is the fulfillment of our relational longing for connection. That's what the disciples looked for. In fact, that's what they tried to hold on to. So listen to me as I read verses five through seven, because that's exactly what Peter's trying to, trying to, to hold on to for dear life. It says, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be, be here. So he's saying, this is, this is beautiful. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Peter and the disciples yearning for connection was so strong that when he was in the midst of perfection, when he was in the midst of this connection in Jesus Christ, 
his reaction? Let's put up some tents. Can we just stay here? Can we remain in this just for a little bit? And I think we've felt those times too, haven't we? Moments in our lives that are so triumphant, so loving, so beautiful, that we wish we could bottle it up. We wish we could just stay there forever. In fact, I think if, if I gave you a few moments to think of a moment in your life that you wish you could go back to and revisit and maybe just linger a little bit longer, I bet you each and every one of you has a moment or two of those. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's in your youth. Maybe it's with a child, right? Maybe it's at the end of a loved one's life. But we all have moments where we say, can we just linger in this moment a little bit longer? Well, if you felt that, it's just an echo of what eternity is going to be like. We will be in perfection for eternity. We don't have to try to vainly hold on to those good feelings in that connection. We don't have to try to put up temporary tents in order to house the divine because we will be in the house of our God. We will be in the presence of Christ and eternity forever. Peter and the disciples tried to hold on to that, hold on to that connection. But the beautiful thing about transfiguration is we are reassured that there will come a day when we don't have to worry about tents, we don't have to worry about brokenness or a lack of connection because everything will be in its proper place. And so Jesus is worthy of our praise. Jesus bridges that gap and connects us to God, consequently also one another. But lastly, knowing that Christ's transfiguration, that is what sustains us as we descend from the mountain. So listen to the final verses of our text. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with, Je with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now it's fascinating because now they're on their way down. Peter and the disciples wanted to remain there, but they had to descend, right? And Jesus tells them, he says, don't tell anyone about me until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And really what's happening here is, is Jesus is, is walking with them down the mountain. And he knew full well that when they reached the bottom of that mountain and what lay ahead of him in his ministry was not going to be easy. And I think we understand the very same thing. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you are literally in the depths of a valley, right? The shadow of death is over the top of you. You, you cannot see your way out. Um, and you would desperately like to get back to the mountain peak. And yet right now, you're in the depths. See, Jesus knew what was ahead for him, for his disciples, and for you and I. Because the reality of our world is, is that it's not easy. That sin breaks us, fractures us, pulls us in all kinds of different directions. Um, we feel that as individuals, we feel that as a nation, um, and it's all around us. But really, that's the beauty of Jesus' transfiguration. When we place ourselves at the foot of God above, when we put ourselves at the foot of nothing less than God himself in Jesus, he reassures us that he's going to walk with us through the shadow of death, through the difficulties of this world. Because true God, who revealed himself to these disciples, now descends the mountain and eventually will be killed outside the city walls in Jerusalem. 
Jesus will be humiliated, beaten, but ultimately lay down his life sacrificially for you and I so that we will know without a shadow of a doubt that no matter how difficult this life may become, no matter how fractured it feels, that nothing short of God himself is going to walk with us through it and has the doors open for us in eternity. And so that's the ongoing impact that the transfiguration has on you and I. Because not everything in our lives is a high point. We've got just as many low points. Maybe we would argue even more. But Jesus' transfiguration tells us, reassures us, that we have nothing less than God himself at our backs and at our side. And he will walk with you through those low points, through those difficulties, and ultimately to eternity. Peter, one of the disciples that was up there with Jesus, felt that. In fact, after we leave this text, um, Peter is going to know the highs and lows. He's going to, at one minute, be ready to fight an earthly battle for Jesus. The next minute, he is, he is kicking Jesus to the curb, only to be restored by Jesus at the end of his life. And so Peter is going to know the highs and lows through the rest of his life. Eventually, uh, as history tells us, Peter and most of his disciples, most of the disciples were martyred for their faith. So they would know some incredibly low points, and yet their hope never flagged. Their joy never ceased because they knew that Jesus wins. And when Jesus wins, we win. We are victorious. His victory is our victory. Victory over death, over sin, and over Satan. In fact, I think maybe that's what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 3 when he says this. He's talking about the peaks and the valleys, the highs and the lows. Peter says this, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Do you hear everything that's going on in Peter's statement there? He's saying there are highs and lows, but that Christ has come to connect us to God above. That's the hope that drove Peter and the disciples and the early Christian church. Brothers and sisters, that's the same hope and assurance and promise that you and I have right here today. Jesus' transfiguration means he is nothing short of God himself. And Jesus' transfiguration, his death and his eventual re resurrection means that we have eternity and heaven is awaiting us. Amen. At this time, we continue with our offering. Uh, as always, we thank you in advance for your generosity in supporting our ministry. Um, your offerings help us share Jesus with this community, and, and for that, we can't give you enough thanks. Uh, you're welcome to give either directly by sending your offerings to us as a church. You're going to find the address for our church contained within this bulletin, uh, or you're welcome to give online, which is what many of our members do. This weekend, we want to remember specifically uh, some of the ongoing struggle that and the, the ramifications that are coming from COVID-19 and, and all the things that, that are kind of happening within our country. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, this weekend, we come to you and ask that you be with all of us and as a nation as we continue to grapple with the ongoing consequences of COVID-19. Be with those who are isolated. Remind them that they are loved and give us opportunities to be there for them. Be with those who may be sick or suffering and at times um, doing so alone. Be with those who may be, may be suffering financially, small business owners and individuals who have lost jobs or had hours cut back. 
And Lord, we simply ask that you be with us as a nation. Help us heal, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. Now, Lord, hear us as we bring you our personal prayers and petitions. And now you're welcome to join along with me as we speak the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord's blessings on the rest of your week. We'll see you again here next week.